Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Constructing the Clubhouse, the world's number one comedy podcast about starting a comedy club in Barcelona during a pandemic. I am your host, Dr. Matthew John Murtha. Joining me is my indomitable co-host, Johnny Boy Alice. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello, John. And we have two very special guests today. Today's topic is going to be roast battles and how to how to write a roast joke. And so we've got uh, two, well, I'd say, two of the foremost experts in Barcelona to discuss the issue. Uh, joining us today is James Regal. Hello, Matthew. Hello, James. Welcome. James, of course, is uh, one of the producers of The Purge and now newly minted and newly uh, franchised Roast Battle International Barcelona. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, super excited. Fantastic. Uh, we'll hear more about that in just a moment. And then, comedian, uh, I don't know, fucking, yeah, <laughs> powerhouse comedian, Mr. Tamar Katan. Thanks. What's up, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into your, your, you know, experiences with roasts and your expertise in just a moment. James, why don't you tell us about what's going on? Here in the Barcelona. Yeah, gladly. So it's all been a bit of a blur this last two weeks, actually, just trying to like throw it all together. But I don't know, maybe if I kind of like started the start and how we got here. So um, I've always like been a bit quite a big fan of, of roasts. Um, I like I enjoy doing them, even though weirdly, like I've, I'm not confrontational at all. Like I hate confrontation. Mm. Never been in a fight in my life. Um, but I love, I love smart jokes. I love one-liners and that's, you know, basically what a, a good roast is, right? It's a, yeah. it's a joke competition. So we definitely weren't the first to do roast battles in Barcelona. Our, our friend, uh, Chris Groves, uh, and was it Xavi, Xavi, what's his name? Yeah. Xavi Castells. Xavi Castells, that's it. They, um, they did a couple of roast shows just before the pandemic. Um, and I was part of that and I, it was the first roast I'd ever done and it was really fun. And I kind of almost like afterwards, I was like, oh, this is great. I smelt blood. I wanted to do more. Uh, but unfortunately those, those showed, they never did another one. And, and then we had the pandemic, right? So around about last year, um, I'd got into, I'd only recently got into running shows, uh, with these shows I do in Ibiza and I was like, I'd love to run one in Barcelona. It'd be really fun to, to revive roast battle. Um, but with me, like, I've always had this thing with, with anything, like when I was at uni, I used to run like events and things there and, uh, and, and through work, I, I do like PR and like creative brand stuff. I always want to add like a bit of theater, like something a bit different to make it stand out. So I had this idea of like, what if we did a roast battle, but it felt like a sort of underground fight club, yeah. uh, even to the point where like we, we keep the location secret and all this. So I approached uh, another comedian here, Phil Varney, who I know had some experience with roasting and he's sort of, you know, he's American, he kind of gets it. And uh, I sold this idea to him, he's super excited. And we found this sort of where, converted warehouse uh, out in the kind of suburb bit of Barcelona, which was just perfect. Like it, it was operating as a kind of an art gallery, but it had this big wide open warehouse space. And like, this is amazing. So. We got like a bit of staging and we made it in the round with like fences. I think, John, you you, yeah, you yeah, was... judged. Did you ever come to one of those? Man? No. I can't remember. I was judging. It was really great the way that you'd set it up. <laughs> so you start this show. I'm going to beat you to the punch here. Yeah, yeah. You call it The Purge. Yeah. It's a huge success. It's right. got an uh, underground, yeah, like you said, underground fight club feel. The the visuals on online look amazing. Uh, the show's successful. And then what happens? So... We re after a couple of those shows at that place, we were like, well, we 
the the problem with it is the acoustics in there were terrible. Like people would complain they couldn't hear the jokes because yeah. everything echoed. And then um, another friend of ours, Belinda Filippelli, approached me and was like, oh, there's this venue they're looking to do comedy, go and speak to them. And it's this beautiful venue in the basement of a place called La Tech Still, which is like a brewery slash restaurant. And they've got a fully equipped uh, professional music venue that takes about 80 people seated, about 100, 150 standing. And it, it had everything I was dreaming of making the show with like moving lights and we could do all this cool stuff and the proper sound desk. Because, um, you know, at the start of the show, it's called The Purge because it's like, this is the night you can say whatever you want to whoever you want just for this night. Um, and we we play this like intro with purge sirens. And now we have the ability to make like the lights go red and blue and move around. And yeah. so we moved it there. And, and it's just, it's gone from strength to strength there, like selling out. Now, around about that time, we contacted um, Roast Battle, like the, the main brand in America, and just said like, hey, we're, we're doing this just to let you know we're, we're not calling it Roast Battle, we're doing it. And, um, and they said, well, actually, funnily enough, right now we've, we've got this league of seven cities, but we're looking to maybe expand in 2023. So send us your content, like show us you can edit it and clip it well and subtitle it and just keep sending it and we'll make a decision. And that happened in January, basically. They said, you guys are nailing it. We'd love you to be one of our new three cities. And, and now we are uh, officially Roast Battle Barcelona. So that's Woo! that's the story. Hey, applause. Yeah. yeah. Really good job. Um, how does the international aspect of it come into play? I know there's the sort of levels and you can potentially be flown places, but I haven't quite... Yeah, uh, I don't want to like overpromise so much uh, on the flying to places stuff. Yeah, <laughs> when, when am I going to do the Tonight Show? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it's something that has happened. They they just had a, an international show at the Comedy Store in December where they they flew um, Ken, the UK champ, out, and he had to battle the the, the New York champ, um, which he won. Go London! Nice. Um, so the international aspect is is effectively. It's, it's a few different things. First of all, they will now amplify the content we share on our socials. So we tag them as like, for instance, on Instagram as a collaborator. Mm -hmm. We share like a 60 second clip of people roasting here and then they reshare it. And so all the roast battle fans around the world will see it. We'll, we'll soon we'll, we'll create it on TikTok as well. So that's just a really amazing platform for everyone here as a comedian to just be seen. Yeah. like telling funny jokes right yeah uh it's an amazing opportunity for us because people go oh there's a roast battle in barcelona we just had a, a guy frank castillo from la who hammer knows well yeah. reach out through instagram like hey i'm going to be in barcelona on this date you do oh, a show. Shit. yeah I so know about that yeah that just happened the other day so See, it's, it's yeah it's, it's gonna it's, happen it's quickly. happening well here's a great opportunity to bring tamar into the conversation now so tamar you're uh i'm gonna call you an old head you're actually not at this game that long 10 years or something, right? Uh, to 11, yeah. Yeah, the point, though, is that you you made the Comedy Store a, a, a base of operations for some time, yeah? Yeah, I started at the Comedy Store. I actually started when Roast Battle was stopping two comedians from getting into a fist fight. Oh, wow. And saying, this is the Comedy Store. Have a battle of jokes. You guys keep calling, telling each other you're not funny. Prove it with jokes. Don't throw, Don't swing hands. And then it was a mic that turned into a roast. And then um, it slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then Jeffrey Ross heard about it. And then, of course, he's got, you know, the heritage of Friar, yeah. Friar roasts that have been going on for 100 years, you know. And then so, yeah, and it slowly built and became this amazing thing and, and grew and grew and grew. It became one of the most popular shows 
ironically, in one of the smallest rooms. It's the belly room, which is like 80. Oh, that was done at the belly room. It was always in the belly room before, you know, Comedy Central ever came near it. Oh, wow. But I think there was a a really good vibe around it. I think people focus on the battle part, but really, in its essence, roast battle was about uh, not fighting. And it was every roast battle had to end. That, that was the main premise of the roast. It was like at the end of your fight, you have to hug. Yeah. And it's over. And it's done. And, well, in those Friar Club roasts, what they, the format, the way you, 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 write, you say seven bad things about the person, and then you go, but I fucking love this guy. He's fantastic. Sure, you yeah. Know, it was da, da, celebrity da. roasting back yeah. then. Like they, it was a Borscht Belt uh, thing that they brought in. And, and even Jeffrey Ross's book is called I Only Roast the Ones I Love. And there's a real truth to that. It's really funny when you roast someone that you actually know. Like at the at the comedy store, if you were going to roast someone, you had to go to lunch with them mm-hmm. and have a conversation with them and get to know them. And you had to answer truthfully. And then, you know, and people put a lot of work into it. And it was weird because a lot of people felt like they were abortions rather than kids because they were jokes that you could never use again, <laughs> theoretically. But they were worth it because the energy you created in the room was so positive. You know, like there's a story I always tell about Danielle Martinez, who uh, doesn't have feet through an yeah. accident, and she was in her wheelchair. And Moses goes to I can't remember who's battling her, but um, he goes, "How how do you feel about battling Danielle?" And he goes, "Well, why am I worried? She's already been defeated." <laughs> and the whole room gasped, and then Danielle let out the biggest laugh, and then the whole room laughed. And I think that was the last time I heard a gasp. I think people started to learn that. You know, there's an old saying that goes that I don't think the truth is ever told between the hours of nine and five. Mm -hmm. And comedy is after five language. So when people get offended, it's because they're using nine to five mentality. Like, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. No, but this is different. This is a place where we can play. This is a friend calling another friend and going, hey, what's up, you big asshole? And we laugh. Like, we say the worst things to our friends because we know that the energy behind it, which is really, really what matters, the energy behind it is love. Yeah. And and that's that's I think that's why roast battle is so much more than a show. It's a it's a it's a way of thinking, you know, and it comes back all the way back to Lenny Bruce, who said, if you take away our ability to say fuck, you take away our ability to say fuck the government. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think roast is the way comedians show love. And now and we're sharing it with regular people. This is this is a great topic because the execution of that is difficult. And I'm I'm curious. I want to hear from both of you what your experiences watching roasts have been and what what are the pitfalls you see people do a lot of times because this you know it's supposed to come from love but out here in you know in spain and watching comedy and stuff we're in the the wild west we just try to recapitulate what we see on online and it's oh people being mean so i'm gonna be mean yeah people yeah you know and then so it's like john nobody likes you and that's the yeah. that's meant to be the joke, right? Yeah. But it's not actually it's not a proper joke, and so I think this is one of the common uh, mistakes people make. What what do you guys see? I mean, yeah, from you've, the... you've ran what like six roast shows now? Yeah, it's six or seven. And look, I'm I'm not an expert on it, but I roast myself. You are here in Barcelona. And... <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, a very low so. bar here. It's uh, make How a wish you? for adults. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing we always try and really impress on people. Uh, that do the show is don't hold back like nothing you say is too horrible um but obviously you know uh, with the caveat that you've met up with your roast partner and maybe they've given you like a red line like don't mention this or don't mention this person don't bring them into it that's totally fine but if you want to say something 
racist, ableist, all the ists, like, do it because, as Thomas said, like, it's coming from the NG. Now, there may be people in the room who don't like people making jokes about those topics, but they are forewarned. When they come to our show, they're told, like, this is going to be brutal, and if you're easily offended, like, don't come. Mm. And I'm not one of these, like, oh, comedians do woke people at all. I actually have some quite, like, woke sensibilities, but this is a safe space. If you right? quote it, it's not woke. <laughs> That's <laughs> you true. You use the quotation marks, James. It's woke, the woke karate. Yeah. Um... So yeah, don't hold back. Uh, but also it's like like Tama kind of alluded to there, like it's a joke writing competition. It should be a setup, it should and there should be a, a real punchline, and then and it should be quick. Um A because the energy in the room, but also just from a professional point of view, like it's much harder to edit clips of sixty mm. seconds if someone has like a fifty second setup or eight punchlines and tags. One time John walked down the street and then yeah, and yeah. I wasn't even feeling good that day. Exactly. Like if you if you can't like take a whole story and make the setup like one or two lines, then I think the joke's probably too long. And you want to avoid getting into what I might call like you don't want to sound like a best man speech mm. where you're just like telling amusing stories about someone because oh this thing they did that's sad or funny, isn't it? And then he punched the hooker, <laughs> right? Like you can say that, but like have a a joke, have a punchline at the end because yeah. that's that's what the show is is about apart from that it's just like go at it like now in just a moment we're gonna specifically talk about how to how to write some good roast jokes but i i for you tamara what what are some things that you have seen that don't work and like where where are the pitfalls that you i mean i think observed? i think the mistakes i've seen people make is assuming that they can just write jokes on the fly like and the um the spoken word is much shorter than the written word like the way we speak is so much more fast and punchy than the way we write. And you can tell when people are too scripted where they start using language that you, they, they're reading their jokes instead of being in the moment and, and being present. Uh, or like, oh, I don't know what I'm really going to say. Like it takes a lot of work to come up with a great joke. Like the process that we had in like Frank Castillo, the guy that uh, James mentioned, was the first roast battle champion in the United States. and. I used to write with Frank. We'd go to, if I was battling someone or Frank was battling someone, we'd go to Frank's house, we'd smoke a shit ton of weed, and we'd play YouTube videos of that person's set. And we'd watch and we'd, and there'd be three of us or four of us to have friends. Oh, God. And we'd all sit there and we'd come up with ideas and we'd punch and punch and punch. It was a commitment. Like that week, the week that I was doing Roast Battle, I was only writing Roast Battle. I was, I was almost not doing other shows. I was fully like committed yeah. and and then and then you go to lunch with a person and you you have to be the person who understands i'm not doing this to hurt you i'm doing this to come up with great material yeah period that's it it's about the love of jokes it's not about the hate of a person and so you know you you got to give feedback to people you have to kind of also anticipate where someone might go and then have a good counter punch counter punch jokes are fucking mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. because they feel fresh no. If you know someone's going to go after you if you're being bald or, or having tattoos because it's a big part of your body, be ready for that. You know, and um, I think the, the biggest thing for me in Barcelona has never been lack of talent or in Europe has never been lack of talent. It's been lack of work ethic. That's hmm. what happens at the comedy store. The comedy store, because all the comics know that a show is an arm length away and that producers and agents and everybody's in the room, people work their asses off. Yeah. That's the only thing. And the thing, the more you write, the better you get. And then the other big thing is logic. Does it make sense? 
that there's so it's very rare for people to go that's just not funny a lot of times they go what you know like mm. uh, i'm not calling out any comic but this is for the sake of joke writing there's a i've seen a comic here do the same joke like three times and the joke is um i'm participating in dry january and that's why i drink on wednesdays <laughs> and i'm like what and every time i'm like what yeah that doesn't make sense there are wednesdays in january and there are other jokes if you just let it go listen to the audience and go okay Take the time to sit down and go. What are the other words? Oh, I'm. I'm. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, this is. I'm. Ex I'm going to try a dry January. So for this whole month, I'm not going to use lotion or whatever. There's so many other ways to do it. You know. Or for this month, uh, you know, uh, whatever. You could. You could do it about girls that you turn off, and and that's your dry January. There's. That's just riffing. But yeah. the, there's so many times where we write stuff and don't talk to other people and don't speak to other people. Use your comedy brethren to work stuff out mm -hmm. and be like, if you write the premise, that's your joke. Punch, punchlines are easy. So you shouldn't be afraid of asking a friend, hey, here's my premise, what's a great punchline? Like, I'll tell you, one of my favorite roast battle jokes was Jay Light, um, who was really good friends with, with Frank Castillo. So I didn't write with Frank. I wrote with a friend of mine who's a lesbian. And, <laughs> and she, she gave me a punchline, not because she was funnier, she gave me a punchline because she knew something that I didn't know. I knew that when I went to lunch with Jay, that Jay and his girlfriend just broke up with each other and that they still lived in the same house. So when I told my lesbian friend that, my lesbian friend goes, oh, that's what lesbians do. And I'm like, boom. And then we wrote the joke. And then, and Jay was kind of not the most alpha looking guy. So my opening joke was Jay, Jay broke up with his girlfriend, but they still live together. Not only do you look like a lesbian, you break up like one too. Yeah. And the room exploded and it hit Jay. But she gave me perspective. And that's the most important thing. It's not punchlines that are given. You have to talk to multiple people, talk to comedy friends, and you have to work. Ugh. <laughs> work, Tamara. Right, man. Come on, it's man. fun. It's a great job. It is, actually. This is, And these are fun jokes to write, too. 100%. Yeah. I, I ended up, uh, I wrote stuff for everybody in the room. Basically, just because you know, you again, you smoke, and it's like, oh yeah. How do you mean for everybody in the room? Like the every, I, I imagined what the room was going to be like, who yeah. was going to be there, and That's then great. I just, I just went around, you know, and it was like, uh, That's great, man. Who is it? A uh, Vem. I, there's a joke about her wearing a helmet now. So she wears a helmet. Yeah. What do you mean? She wears a helmet. When she's so, doing videos and stuff, that's her shtick. Like how I wear my hat when yeah, I'm on stage. Yeah, yeah. She's got this bike helmet because she's a skater. And oh, then okay. uh, she just, one day she put it on for a sketch. And then uh, I look at her and I'm like, this seems right. You should leave that on all the time. Actually, you bring up a great point. Here's another thing to consider. Because we have this opportunity that James created with the Comedy Store Network. Yeah. This is something Ralphie May used to say. A lot of times when comics would go on the road and they were going to do radio in the morning... They're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to give away my best jokes, right? And then they would not give away their best jokes. But on the radio, there's 10,000 people. And at the comedy club where you were saving your jokes, there was 100. Yeah. Same thing with this. You're, if you do a joke about them wearing a helmet, probably people in Barcelona will get it. And people who know her will get it. But what about the, your, the yeah, potential yeah. of that? That you're killing that joke before it even has a chance to live on you know, the internet. Yeah. Because it might be... Um, it, and Vem is not someone you're roasting. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the point was just that, like, I, I wrote these jokes almost out of habit or, you know, just because they were fun. It's yep. not when, you know, when it comes to the show itself, I'm going to be very specific and I'm going to mostly keep everything trained on John. If somebody yeah. pipes up, I've got, you know, I have pre-written stuff, but generally well, we'll see in the moment. 
maybe some there'll be like an opportunity. Yeah. But this I think is a good time to segue into our uh, a segment we like to call how to write a good roast <laughs> joke. <laughs> Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Comedy Clubhouse Schoolhouse, and we're going to teach you today how to write a good roast joke. We have joining us James Regal, who is a uh, co-producer of the Roast Battle International Barcelona, Tamar Catan, one of the Hello. Foremost, foremost comedians in the entire fucking world. Uh, there, I you, said man. it. Thank you. That's just and then uh, John Ellis, who's a piece of shit. So I'm here to learn, guys. I'm, I want to <laughs> listen. John and I are, are roasting each other on uh, on Thursday, which is tomorrow night, and we can we can use each other as examples nothing that we write here will probably be good enough for tomorrow night anyway but so let's go so, so what's, what's the, like the, the first step is like research right so so i kind of yeah. want to understand when i when i make it to the big leagues so i've flown out to la what's what's my process with the other guy you you, you meet with them what kinds of information do you want to extract from them yeah it's almost like a date you know how are you what's been good in your life what's been bad in your life mm -hmm. what's been challenging um, what scares you? I usually, there's four main emotions that you, you write through, which is what's hard about something, what's scary about something, what's weird about something, and what bugs me about something. And when I ask questions during a roast battle lunch, I ask through the lens of those four emotions, mm -hmm. because those are the emotions that you write jokes through. You know what I mean? Like if someone's like, you know what makes me really happy? You never have a joke that goes, you know what makes me really happy? Because <laughs> uh, happiness doesn't work in comedy. Unless it's comedy. kicking children. It has to, and, you have yeah, to turn it with yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that's usually how I start my research. Mm -hmm. And then I try to keep it casual too. My main thing is making the person forget that I'm trying to extract jokes <laughs> so that they get really relaxed. The people kind of clam up a lot. The people sort of... <clears throat> no, it's cool because really we just go, let's just have a good time. Mm -hmm. Let's just... Go. It's not necessarily like I got my piece of paper in front of me and I'm asking... I, actually, I did do that the first time, admittedly. I had a piece of paper and it went down and I noticed the person gave me very short answers. The next time, I was just super casual about it. Okay. And we just had a date practically where we just sat and had a conversation and and I asked them questions that I didn't know about them and I genuinely just got to know that person better do you look for stuff that will hurt them no no cuz you never know like um some sometimes they'll share that you know what I mean and that will come out but I don't necessarily intrinsically look for that what do you think about that as a roast topic though because i think people have made the mistake that like the point of a roast is to hurt the feelings of the other person so you go after the thing that hurts them the most in the case of pete davidson you'd talk about his dad dying in 9-11 or you know yeah i don't think that i don't think that's what it's really about i think i don't it, think but, so either but i yeah. think that's the common mistake some, yeah, but, also, but also like pete pete davidson does material about his dad dying in 9-11 right yeah. so you're not necessarily saying anything that would surprise pete davidson and i do you're not trying to hurt their feelings but the people that take like battling and winning really seriously, they what they I think they are trying to do is write something so brilliant and scathing that it like it shocks the other person into like they can't help but laugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're not upset, but they're like, oh my god, I never thought of myself like that, or oh my god, that's that's just yeah. that's yeah. so brutal. It's hilarious because you're trying to win, right? Mm. And you want the audience to, to 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 follow you on that. You know what's funny? I'll tell you. Sometimes I'm not even trying to win. Like I think roast battle is a lot like MMA fights in Japan. The Japanese don't care about your record. They, they care about how you fight. And like for, for me, when I'm roast battling people, like my main thing is, is it funny? Like if, if I go, oh shit, is that too dark? I go, what, well, is it funny? 
Yeah. And then it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I saw a roast uh, yeah. on the internet that bombed super, super hard, but someone was roasting Steve-O on one of these mm. celebrity roasts, and the, and the joke was about how they wished that it had been Steve-O that died Amy instead, Schumer. Of, yeah. instead of Ryan Dunn. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. just That's like... Great. Yeah. Dead silence because yeah. the the funniness didn't outweigh the, sure. the the level of meanness that was, yeah. that yeah. was brought, and it was clearly a limit for him that was like yeah. way over the line. I guess. Yeah. On your, was um... he laughing or how did he react? No, he didn't he, laugh. He didn't laugh at all. Oh, he just, like, shook okay. He's he just like, like, yeah. Well, nah. Steve-O's not really a stand-up. I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> to say that he's he's a clown and he's extremely skilled as a clown, but he's not really a stand-up, and he doesn't come from stand-up culture. He became famous first. Mm-hmm. and then entered comedy. It's almost like moving to America after you were an immigrant in a different country, you don't really feel American. And that's why Steve-O to me doesn't feel like a stand-up and why he doesn't get that. Like, yeah. I, I think I think it's another part of our responsibility, especially in a city like Barcelona, where we're educating people to go, hey, this is a safe space to say horrible things. And, and at the end of it, we're all going to hug. Yeah. And, and I think it's important when people are roasting you, that you show that you're, you're, you're enjoying it and you're having a good time because it teaches the audience, not just for roast battle, but for all shows for that life. Jokes are just jokes. How so to take a think, joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important as a roaster then. Cause I was, we were talking before about how, you, you know, you warn the audience that you might be sexist or racist or whatever towards the other person. You try and pre- prep the audience for it. Yeah. But the audience might just not be there. They might not yeah. be ready for you to, to just go yeah. on this tirade. Well, there's got to be a punchline. Right. You know, I think the only times I've seen even a great audience where roast battle didn't work or roast battle joke didn't work is when the punchline wasn't good. The joke wasn't good. So for me, the priority is, is it funny? Okay. It's got to be funny. The allegiance, because it, it can be funny to the other comedian, but not necessarily funny to everyone in the audience. Well, you know, so your allegiance in this case should be to comedy. To the audience. God, the audience. To, to 100%. the audience. 100%. It's got to be funny to the audience. That's a great point. Like, you can't, it is a, a dangerous thing to make it too inside joke. Mm-hmm. Because then the audience feels left out, especially in an yeah. international even more competition so, like this. Yeah, exactly. Well, this even was, more so now. This was have... my mistake roasting Matt last time because I, I I felt like it was more interesting to ro- to do more sort of personal jokes. Sure. But I ended up having to, having to explain them for a long time beforehand. Yeah. And you yeah. Lose, lose a bit of mm-hmm. momentum. So that's, yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's what, what... that's the other thing about roast jokes is they got to be short and tight. Mm-hmm. My first thing, the first thing I do when I write roast jokes is I'm a big believer in write fat, edit skinny. So I'll write down the roast jokes on a sheet of paper and I'll make like a space in between each joke. And then the first thing I do after I write all the jokes is I, I eliminate words that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like comedy's black and white. Anything that's gray, I eliminate. If like, instead of sometimes, I go, he always does this. Instead of, oh, this could be, I go, this is. Like, it's comedy's the black and white. If it's, gr- if it's gray, they, they won't laugh. So the first thing I do is eliminate any unnecessary words. He's not, he doesn't sometimes get drunk. He gets drunk. He's not, uh, uh, you know, um, very loving. He's loving. You know what I mean? You're also eliminating uncertainty with this. Yeah. It's, it, that's interesting. It's a great piece of advice, by the way. I've seen, um, just on the stuff about the funny stuff about people, I've also seen great roasts where they've said stuff which is clearly untrue, but could be true by yeah. looking at them, right? So um, one of the roasts I saw in Edinburgh uh, between Ken Grinnell and Alex Haddo. Ale- so Ken Grinnell is, is mixed race. Um, I think his family is like Jamaican and Irish. Alex Haddo is blonde, white from Manchester, British as it come. And he just kept saying she was a massive racist. And he had this joke, the one that it was his last joke and the room just went absolutely wild. And he, he said something like, 
Alex is so racist. And everyone's like, how racist is she? So Perfect. She, she barebacks black guys just so she can terminate their babies. Right. <laughs> and the whole room exploded. And like people bent up. And that's like obviously like not in the slight. She's not a racist. She probably doesn't do that. Doesn't Nothing abort but, babies for fun. Huh? No, but he'd set up this whole like running joke of she's a racist, which knew like it's funny because it's not true. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, yeah. that's like almost like advanced roasting. Um, I also find just just the other thing, like finding stuff about people. But you always got to remember is this is a person stood in front of an audience that perhaps they're seeing for the first time. And there are things about their appearance that are just clearly obvious to anyone. Yeah. And like, so sometimes going for that is just the most simple and best thing because it's like, like any joke where you, if you see, if you make an observation and everyone goes, oh yeah, that's, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking. He does that. look like a lesbian. Yeah, exactly. Was, like, but you can't make all the jokes like that. No, like, certainly not. I think the, just the first the, one. Yeah, exactly. But it, that is also one of the pitfalls is. People, like if someone is overweight, then all your jokes are about the person being fat or if someone's black. It's all about being black or if someone's white. It's all about being white. And I, I think that's where even the judges at like the comedy store, the judges to be like, hey, you just made a bunch of the same jokes. Yeah. And that's not that's the, and, and this is celebrating great like joke writing. Yeah. But there so, is something to be said about getting the audience on your side that way. Hugely valuable. Like Frank Castillo did this great thing with Matt Broussard, similar situation where Matt is, it looks like a Ken doll, right? Like really good looking guy. And Frank goes, his opening joke was, um, Matt Broussard is, what did he write? He goes, uh, Matt is a lot like the food at my work, he's about to get served by a Mexican. Uh, <laughs> is that right? About to get served by a Mexican. Yeah. And it's short, it's tight, it got the audience on his side immediately, and Matt was in trouble from that point forward. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that is one of my questions, is how the first joke should differ from the last joke. So what, what mm. the escalation of jokes should be. That's a great question, because it's like a lot of people, uh, I think it should build and build and build. Like and, if you've got a joke that's, that's your I think you close with your biggest joke and you I open with my second biggest right people will flip-flop those sometimes okay I think closing is how they're gonna remember you most that joke is gonna be the the last joke before the judges judge okay. uh, the first joke is gonna be your first impression so I kind of flip back and forth between my biggest joke either be my opener or my closer but the presumably the first joke it's kind of like the wrestling thing we were talking about the other day how to roast and, and wrestling um, but the first joke probably is something that should be obvious to everybody, right? Should be kind of a bit more like, this guy looks like this. Maybe, yeah, I think it could be. I, it's hard to tell unless I'm looking at the jokes because sometimes there's jokes that are really personal, like that joke I did about Jay uh, breaking up with his girlfriend, but they still live together. That's much more personal, but it worked as an opener. John, why don't you tell us what your first joke is? Uh, I haven't written any jokes uh, for sure yet. I just want, I wanted to check first if you have any limits, anything I shouldn't be uh, getting into. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I've I've been mentally preparing myself, trying to think of like what what tracks you're going to take on me and what you know what I can withstand. I think I feel confident in being able. I'm able to take a lot of shit. Can I talk about your divorce? Yeah. Oh yeah. Can you can you send me the poem that she wrote? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Tamara, do you know about this? I don't. My ex-wife sent me a video last year. She was like, hey, I made this dance. I'm a choreographer. I made this dance about a relationship. Oh, Can I share it with no you? No way. And I said, oh, babe, absolutely. Oh, my God, you're sharing your art? Of course I want to see it. And she sends me the video, and it opens up, and she's, like, alone in this field uh, where I proposed, actually. And uh, it, she starts moving her body. She goes, you're the one who taught me 
that the person you love most in the world can lie to your face. <laughs> and then it just fucking tears me apart from there on. Wow. And it's like, oh, somebody's not, somebody but, else is not over but this while yet. doing an interpretive dance? Yes, the entire <laughs> time. And, it wasn't uh, very interpretive if she had to speak the words at the same time. Yeah, that's, that, right? that's probably true. You oh, were married God. to Lady Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. And then uh, she posted it online. I, I realized that she sent it to me not because she wanted to share. She wanted to warn me that she's going to post this. And her yeah. family's just like, way to turn grief into a gift. You go, girl. You're amazing. I'm like, <laughs> half of that shit was not even true. Wait, do I know this person? Yeah. Uh, no, you don't. Okay. Fine. No, no. Her, her name's Zoe. She's a beautiful woman. She lives in New York City. And great dance. Answer. Great dance. Yeah, <laughs> honest to God. She's incredibly talented. Uh, one of the smartest ladies I know. Yeah. Very lovely. But that's that's And an a in- complete cunt. <laughs> but that's an interesting point because that's like a whole yarn to that's a really funny thing to maybe target them on on, on right. But like sure. th- it's it would be quite a long setup to explain like yeah. you were married and she's a dancer and she's so it's like how do you Can you break that up over multiple jokes? Yeah, how do you yeah, or, or how do you yeah condense the setup into like this, you know, it's a rhythm. It's like Matt was married and da 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 da. Stop punchline. Like I think that's how I would do, do a it. joke. Yeah. yeah. I, Here, I, John, I, let me help you win, fucker. But I would one joke. Matt was married for about thirty seconds in two thousand ten, and then congratulations. Uh, <laughs> turns out, yeah, he was married longer than he lasts in bed. Whatever the joke is. Then the next one is uh, his wife sent him this dance video, and then you can mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. go from there. I, w- I might try to break that up. Yeah, there, I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Like you, you, you do it quick. You do it confident. That's the other thing. Is the less words you have, a lot of times you make, it's the more confident the delivery is, because people can tell that you've taken the time to edit it. You know, and like yeah. think about it like this: whenever there's turbulence on a flight, it's like turbulence in the room when you're doing comedy. And what's the first thing you do? If a pilot tells you, "Hey, there's going to be turbulence," and then you feel turbulence, you're not worried. But if nobody says anything and it's unexpected, the first yeah. thing you do is you look at the face of the airline attendants. And they go, if they look nervous, I get nervous. If they're running for the fucking seatbelts. Exactly. If they're running, if they look panicked, if they look calm, I'm cool. Bring me a cookie. And I know this turbulence is is not unexpected, is not a surprise. It's something they were expecting. And because at the end of the day, what you're doing from that stage is leading the audience emotionally. So if you're calm and cool, and if you're a a good sport about the joke, there's no reason why the show wouldn't go great. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you, yeah. I was uh, maybe explaining this to my therapist this this morning. <laughs> like, you know, the only way to win is to not be bothered by any of it. Well, don't listen, let it hit home. It's don't not let a it sport. You know. It's it's I mean, it's the one funny thing about roast that I uh, it's the one element that always hits me funny is comedy is art. It's not sport. Yeah. Right. Like in art, you're like, oh, it's my job to try to be the best in, in I'm sorry, in sport. You're like, I want to be the best. But in art, it's I want to be the only and that's a completely different energy. It's more internal. So really roast battles in my perspective, yeah, you want to win and there's that competitive energy that you want in there for the energy of roast battle. But at the end of the day, from an artistic perspective, if you help him write a joke that roasts you, you're part of the artistic outcome. And yeah. that, that's a good thing. Yeah. You're it's, welcome, John. It's still a show, that's right? Like, yeah, it, that's it, a it, thing it, that it's... I think people forget here in Barcelona quite a bit. You're putting on a show. This is entertainment. You need to be big and like... I yeah. don't know, showman-ish. Be confident in what you're saying. Yeah. Show them that you thought about it so that you've earned their attention. People are paying money to come. Uh, the only thing, the only time I get upset at comics is when they go on stage and I can tell they didn't write anything. Mm. They didn't write anything. And it's, it's not, I, don't, I get upset on, the behalf, on behalf of the audience. 
Like they paid money, they're giving you their time, they're they're coming to watch you perform. The thing you owe them is for this gift that you get to have people applaud for you is to take some time to really be thoughtful. And one of my other things is like, because you mentioned this thing that was great, which is, oh, um, he was married for 10 seconds, that's how long he lasts in bed. It, it, I always write down, that was my first, and then I go, that's the one to beat. The uh, first idea you thought of is also the first idea the audience thought of. So they'll laugh. But if you want to get a big laugh, you got to keep digging and digging and digging and go. And subvert that somehow. And make it, and it, the more of a, the beginning of every joke is a distraction and the back of every joke is a surprise. The bigger the surprise, the bigger the laugh. Yeah. Mm. That just, that made me think of, so uh, at Edinburgh Festival last year, I, I was lucky enough to, to do two roasts. And one was against Stuart Kennedy, who's a comedian from here. We know each other relatively well. We had time to talk about it, etc. But then they were like, oh, do you want to do another one? Uh, and I said, yeah. And then they just paired me with a random comedian. And I hadn't ever heard of this person. Um, they were called Sam. They were just a comedian from Liverpool. And, and the only way we had to exchange anything, there was no time to meet up. So it was like, we just emailed each other 10 facts. Now, Sam sent me their 10 facts and it was almost too much. It was like, uh, I, I'm like bisexual, I'm uh, not transgender. I, uh, I can't remember the one where their, their pronouns are they, them. Um, they're queer. Yeah, well, they're, they're a queer comedian. Uh, their father used to beat them. Um, all this, all this like really heavy stuff. And I'm like, um, I got divorced and I went to private school and I'm Jewish. Like I, I didn't have all of this additional. I felt bad, but we had to exchange these jokes. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know anything about the person. But what I tried to do was almost not go for the easy target, right? Because the the climate it would have been really easy to make a joke about transgender or or, or the fact that I think they said they're autistic and all this. Mm -hmm. But they're also from Liverpool in the UK. Like a lot of people, that Liverpool has a reputation. So I, I. I can't remember how I word it exactly, but I, I said, this is Sam. And I listed all those things. They're transgender. They're, this is Sam from Liverpool. They're transgender. They're autistic and, uh, and, and has learning diff difficulties. Like, how the hell do you get through the day knowing you're from Liverpool? So it's That's like, do you know, yeah. so yeah. it's like they all expected me to make the obvious joke sure. about that. But I was just like, no, I'm just taking the piss about coming from Liverpool. Yeah. So like sometimes you, if you subvert their expectations, like you were saying, yeah. and it's a bigger surprise, it's a, and it's actually not as nasty as they thought it was going to be yeah, either. Yeah, like it gets a big laugh. It's huge. That's how you get fans. It, a lot of it, the funny thing is, people don't realize this. Like a lot of comedians become famous from one joke, mm -hmm. one, and then that. And but it's a joke that isn't just a joke. It's a joke that's only you could do. You know, the way Louie talked about his kids, the way Angela Johnson talked about the fingernail salon. Ali Wong. Ali Wong talking about her husband. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or when she was pregnant, Pockets. Cobra Mom. Like, there's always, like, and the way to get to those jokes is to write and write and write. You know, even if you're doing it in your head, that's okay. That's mm -hmm. still writing. But people can tell when you haven't spent time on thinking, thinking through a joke. And this idea that you're just going to go up and it's going to happen, oof, those are rough, rough rough and you're throwing away an opportunity too it's not just about the night yeah you're throwing away the potential to be on this network i mean i had one video go viral but i had a bunch of videos and that one video going viral made people find my other videos and my it completely changed my business mm -hmm. like now i have a pretty good following on social media and now when i gig all around europe i have people who come and pay money for tickets so this is it's not just a show it's a huge oppor opportunity no pressure yeah. though no, it's not, pre but you're, that's the beautiful, the beauty of it is you can't write with pressure. You got to have, have fun, but just spend, spend time. I mean, that have fun is, it's got to be like the number one rule 
Yeah, I agree. This place, man, like. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between a bad first timer set and a good first timer set. Is 100%. Whether or not the kid just enjoyed it. Yeah. Very easy to lose as well. When yeah. You're caught up and yeah. trying to sell yeah. tickets and trying to do this or whatever. That's always the. We're quite prescriptive with the show. Those who have done it will know. Like, we send a big long message to the group at the beginning. Like, here's the rules. Here's what we expect. We brief people for the purge events. We take them in the green room. We do like a pre-show briefing, like very professional. But the absolute last thing we always say is, please just have as much fun as you can. Like 100%. enjoy it. You're on stage. You're being mean to each other. The audience is like, wants this. just have fun. And what Tamara said, like the more they laugh at each other's jokes, like the more the energy in the room increases, the audience relaxes. Yeah. It's so important. Even if you're losing, even if they're battering you and your jokes aren't working, still enjoy the fact that they're mm. making these brilliant jokes about you, which maybe you can take on and use in your own stuff. You know, when you come on stage, I know what you're thinking, guys. Yeah. I look like that. You know, you could take one of that if they if they don't mind you doing it. Yeah. That now you have all this material you can use, even if you've lost badly. For so sure. like it's just a massive it's really good fun. Yeah. It's a compliment as well if somebody's found out that they're up against you and they've said, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna spend the next three days exactly. sitting down yeah. trying to figure out exactly how I'm gonna take your part, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I think it's... I Wait, think it's should I be a... offended then that John hasn't written anything about me yet? <laughs> yeah, I've written too much stuff. I've got too many things. I'm just yeah. having to narrow it down is the uh, the tricky thing at the moment. Dude, it's it's such a valuable uh, skill set to gain, which is just like having stuff not bother you like that. And it, that 100%. It's, great, it's a great thing to for the comedy community to embrace and it's a great thing for the comedy community to like kind of teach normal people about. Like, yeah. Eh, mm -hmm. Big deal. I've been quite surprised. Some, sometimes it's been quite a struggle to get a lineup for these shows. And I don't know if it's because people are intimidated by at least, I think hopefully by doing it at the clubhouse where it's a bit more stripped back and raw, we want it to be more accessible. We want newer people just to come and try roasting for the first time as well. Um, there's still there's, there's as much effort and love into these shows as the others, and hopefully they'll be as good. But it, without that big stage and all the lights going off, Sometimes, yeah, I, I feel like people, they might be intimidated by doing sure. it because um, yeah. of that. And also, yeah, this this idea of like going up there and being vulnerable and not necessarily knowing how to write it. Yeah, I think like, a lot we, of people are afraid of being mean, too. Yeah. I know that's oh, yeah, hugely, me back. Like, hugely. I don't want, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to go up there and make but fun it, of Mariah or whoever. I think that's yeah. the, that's the mis, um, that's the misconception is yeah. that it, it, it's, it's mean. Is it a stunt? That's that, mean. Oh, okay. I just unplugged something out with my oh, foot. Oh, okay. Because it's not mean. It's like, you know, when you see animals play fighting in the jungle, they're not being mean to each other. They're playing with each other. They're showing each other's bellies. And, and in a situation where if they showed their bellies with a predator, they'd be dead. Yeah. But with each other, they're like, yeah, come. come it tickles. Come at me. Teach, me. teach me how to be durable. And say a terrible thing to me. And every time I've roast battled anyone, our relationship has gotten tighter. We become better friends because that's that that's what it means to be a human being to have someone say look at all these terrible things about you and i still love you and you're awesome that is the dude i'll tell you i'm married now and i wasn't married for a long time when i met someone who says i know every shitty thing about you and i still love you that was the first time i felt loved Oof. in my whole life well i mean that's like the definition in my opinion that's the definition of love yeah. that's that's unconditional love i know 100%. your flaws and i love you anyway 100 percent 
Um, I like how deep this got. We were like, how to write jokes. And now it's like the definition that's of That's Tamar. We that's, just figured it out. is a philosopher <laughs> in a comedian's uh, I, penis. I've been living know. with Tamar for like, what, a couple of months now? Yeah. And like this man's ability to find a, an, a perfect analogy for anything <laughs> yeah. is so yeah. inspiring. I'm like, damn, I wish I was that smart. Yeah. Well, there's, there's some of it that's not deep, like where you can, there's some really playful side of it too. Like you guys know Nick DiPaolo, yep. who's known as being the meanest Red, yeah. you know, uh, right wing comic and all this stuff. But Nick DiPaolo is phenomenal at finding silly sounding words. And there's a lot to be said for that, too. Like Nick DiPaolo said this joke about, oh, I was walking the street in New York. I saw a homeless guy on the ground. It just made me feel bad. I'm at home sleeping on an $800 mattress. And this guy's sleeping on a Heineken. And the word Heineken was so fucking funny. Like, and, and that's there's certain words. And it could be that, too. It doesn't have to be deep. It could be just silly and playful and i think that's that's the word ironically um woody allen that's the word he would say on his way to the stage he'd say play really yeah he would that was his mantra on the way to the stage he'd say play um i heard the other day lauren michaels saying the most important thing is that whoever's watching your stuff go gee looks like they're having fun exactly and so i mean that's i i think that'll be my struggle for Thursday, but let's try to, cause we're, we're kind of wrapping up on time. Let's try to re, I don't know. What is it when you uh, summarize? summarize? Yeah. Summarize the, the re- re- recap? Yeah, kind oh, of. Yeah. So, I mean like basically we didn't get to into, we didn't write too many jokes together, but the, the first one is to identify your premises, not necessarily with things that are going to hurt them, but things that are personal and that would make the, the joke unique and surprising. Right. And then from there, you take your first thought, and then you try to one-up that shit times 10. Premise is so important. I think people, that, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is, I think premise gets their attention, and then punchline is the funny. Like, I have this great example of, like, a joke where I knew not everyone in the room knew what it was like to be an immigrant. And I was like, oh, I moved from Egypt to America, and I was explaining how moving from Egypt to America is not the same as moving from Illinois to California. So I, had to, I came up with a metaphor to make the audience feel what I feel, even though there's no way they'd know it. And I said, moving from Egypt to America was like moving to the future. And as soon as I said that, the room went silent. And they were, and I could literally feel people leaning in. Mm. Like they were intrigued. That's the job of a premise, is to make people go, ooh, and then, and even have them come up with an expectation, and then you've got punchline, 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 tag, tag, tag. Yeah. You know. With this, uh, uh, two questions real quick about the roast. Tags, tags and notes. Mm. A, are notes okay? We we don't say don't bring notes. And I think Tamara said it earlier. Like I, I my fucking short term memory at the moment is terrible. So I need prompts, but don't read it like a script. It's just uh, yeah, it's there to be like, okay, that's my next joke. Mm-hmm. Like, John Alice is a big dumb dummy head dummy head. Yeah. Big dummy head. And then in terms of tags, I mean, yeah, do tags, but we've had uh some people on the roast where like they do a punchline and it's worked. And then they've done like three or four like additional tags that almost some of them even go into like being a whole new joke. Yeah. And it's like, ah, just mm, let's stop there. Cause yeah. then also, you know, we then have to kind of maybe edit those out for the yeah. clips. It's kind of annoying. But even for the audience, it's like, tell your joke, hear the crowd, and then next person, just keep, yeah. keep it keep, going. Yeah. Back. I mean, that, my, my fear was being too short. And just had, you know, so here's an example that I saw on my phone. Uh, and the line, it's just, John thinks Me Too is an invitation. That's the whole thing. Is a what? Invitation. Invitation. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think it needs more. It, that needs a bit more. Does, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Fuck. Because, <laughs> but, because uh, yeah, you need, like, that's almost like the punchline. But now yeah. you need the premise. And so I would, you could save it. Because sometimes that happens. Sometimes you go, oh, that could be a great punchline. And you just put it to the side. But now you got to build from, like, I had this yeah. joke about, I had a cousin who had a, who saw um, Elon Musk on TV. And he's like, fucking loser. And I'm like, you're unemployed. And you <laughs> literally have a salsa stand on your shirt. Yeah. Like, and then so I was like, oh, that's kind of funny that he has a salt. And then, I, and then I built on it, and I'm like, oh, Elon Musk took a car to the moon on top of a spaceship, brought it back, and drove it away. You couldn't get salsa from a bowl <laughs> to your lips. Mm. And then that started working, and then I'm like, what's the premise? And then I came up with this premise. Uh, this is the golden age of stupid people. Uh, Isn't yeah. it amazing how confident stupid people are? Yeah. That was it. There's no penalty for them right now. And then as soon as I said stupid That's... people are confident, then that set up the joke. The, that premise made the joke better. Kids, if you're listening, what, go, rewind it right now and watch how Tamer writes this. Because he he had a concept, then he found the punchline, and then he went back and rewrote the premise. Yeah, that could yeah. happen. And now it fucking kills. I think, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys that, personally, I can make a, a, a thousand punchlines, but what I'm real shit at, or I don't put a lot of effort in right now, is the rewriting. And going back and yeah. just fucking grinding the... Joke yeah. into something better. It's the like planning is... for gold, right? It's just yeah. like sifting it all Yeah, out but it. then you have to melt it down and make a bigger <laughs> gold nugget. And it, It's you know. easier to write when you're writing a premise because you don't have to be funny in a premise. You just have to be mm. thoughtful. Yeah. And that's, that is what really turns comedians into writers. That's what made people like Robin Williams go from comedy to an amazing actor. There's so many comedians who are phenomenal actors because they're just, they've studied human beings, you know? They're way sensitive. I think that sensitivity is... Yeah. Just, um, to, just to go, sorry, John, just to go back to your point about, like, can it be too short? I think that specific example needed, like, maybe a few extra words. But I think with some comedians, they think, like, I'm, they forget that like, I'm on, I'm on stage. I want my stage time. So I'm going to try and drag out the jokes so I'm on stage longer. I don't know if that's a conscious thing or a subconscious thing. Whereas if you can get up there and do like five like snappy jokes, otherwise and the roast is over within three minutes. That's yeah. how it was in Edinburgh. They were doing like five or six a night. There's no time to fuck around because there's a show before and after. And you were just on and off. And, and yeah. like that was it. You don't have to be like, I'm here. I have to do a whole 10 sure. minute yeah. performance. But like that joke requires, I think you could make lists, right? Like um, the meat, I would write a list for me too. And then I would write a mm -hmm. list for things that John does that you think John does. And then you could find matching things like Earl Sakel did this roast battle against Jamie Carr, who's a beast, but Earl Sakel was our LA beast. And he goes, uh, Jamie Carr, uh, looks not only looks like he dresses, uh, for Hogwarts, uh, it's what he gives women who sleeps with him. <laughs> So he found, and it's like, oh, yeah. there's Hogwarts, and then, oh, se he has sex with women. Oh, warts. And then warts translate up. So yeah. I think with the Me Too movie, you could even be like autism. Autism is see things backwards. Uh, um, John is uh, has a weird form of autism where he sees everything backwards, and that's why he thinks Me Too is an invitation. You yeah. know what I mean? So you could do stuff like that where you just keep going, yeah, write going, that going. One down real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I mean that's just that's annoyingly similar to a joke I've written. <laughs> for, for oh, that's right. Yeah, but sorry. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I think I might go in a slightly different direction anyway. Yeah. So. But you get it as as long as it connects. You can really surprise people by lists are really fun. Yeah. You know, you can make lists and then start seeing matching things we're like oh no way oh, and it's the surprising great. things that are really 100 yeah. percent. yeah that's the um that's the the toy in the happy meal box yeah um i had a question about 
theme because obviously sometimes it seems to 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 pay off very well to have all five of your jokes kind of run along the same theme like the example you were before james about the the, the girl being racist or whatever i know jane uh sorry andy did a a good roast at almaria where everything was on the same theme mm. um but then before this podcast we were talking about jokes they can't all be the same they can't all be repetitive so they have to kind of be different so what's your feeling on because i considered with matt telling all my jokes about the same basic uh theme do you think that's just basic high risk high risk potentially high reward or, or how do you feel about that it's an interesting question because yeah the examples you so like for instance andy as well the last battle he did against olga he he had he, he said that she looked like a camel but she's also attractive and he liked to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. And then he did like two or three other jokes afterwards. It was like, oh, when Olga has camel toe, it's just because she's wearing sandals or something. And he, he kept bringing this camel theme, but at the same time, each joke on its own kind of felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Whereas my battle against Chris, which to be honest, like, I, I thought he might win because his jokes were amazing. But you guys were like, you were right. He, he did, nearly every single one was like, James's divorce, his wife, his wife left him. Yeah. Here's a joke directly about that. Which was also the obvious thing, which we've, we've discussed already. That was that yeah. was the first premise that he that he wrote, and then it ended up being all five of his his premises, presumably. Yeah. In this situation. I don't know, Tom. What do you, what do you think? Like, yeah. No, I think I think you always have to think from the perspective of the audience. You know, like not necessarily what they they're going to tell us is funny, but what they. Um, knowing the, the the limited amount of knowledge, I think if you like, uh, it depend it depends on the room. There's going to be jokes that are like more safe to do that they're, they're going to hit the punchline every single time, and then there's going to be jokes where if Olga had better roast jokes, maybe the camel jokes would have stopped working. Sure, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, or if she'd done roast battle longer, she could be like. Uh, you know, a, a comeback, uh, the comebacks are really powerful, you know, where you could cut someone off of the knees. You could be like, like if I was Olga and he did that to me, I'd be like, okay, can't wait to hear the next three jokes you've written about camels. And he's like, uh, uh. Yeah, that yeah, would have yeah, fucked yeah. him. Fucked Completely him. puts Com- a stop on it. Completely fucked him. But also I've had people do, I had someone who beat me in roast just because of one thing that he did. It wasn't the jokes that he wrote. He would have these little one-liners in between. Thank you, Persian Joe Rogan. And I'm like, oh, you fucker. Nice. And then the audience exploded because yeah. I do look like a Persian Joe Rogan. Yeah. So those observational one-liners, the camel things, if he made it as a thank you every time she ripped on him, if it was like, uh, thank you, Joe Camel, you know, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, things like that, then there's a way to do it. A, a guy in London got me with something similar to what you just said. So I feel like my actual jokes were better. So he did two things. First of all, he kept but his rebuttals were all like stupid like your mum jokes which are dumb but the audience really liked it but the other thing that he got me with before every joke he just went the first one was quite normal he's like this guy this is James Regal but then each time he'd like no seriously guys this this is James Regal (laughs) and and then if he sounded disappointing I'm like I guess this is James Regal before every joke and every time he did it it got funnier and funnier and it was just I couldn't I couldn't beat that because like didn't matter how good it you could have beat it well, yeah, okay. In hindsight, if you were prepared, but now but I wasn't ready for that. I bet you, if it happened again, you'd destroy him. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But there's also a lot of a lot of power to being said in like people just having a good time, just having fun. I think the power of those jokes wasn't even him repeating James Rule, but it was how he delivered it, right? The yeah, exactly. It, how it impacted you, maybe like your reaction to it. You know, I, I think that's a that's a huge part of it is just just having fun. Well, you heard it here first, folks. 
Have some motherfucking fun. Yeah, let's have fun, Matt. Let's do it. I will try my very best. All right, guys. I want to I wanna wrap this up. So identify personal premises. Right, right, right. And have fun. Edit, edit. Take out any unnecessary words. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's logical, that it makes sense. Run it by other comedians. Talk to comedians in the scene and be like, hey, uh, here are my roast battle jokes. Does this make sense to you? Not. Don't ask them if it's funny. Just go, does this make sense? And... And be open for the feedback. Mm. You know, don't just ask people in hopes that they're going to say, oh, everything's great. Like, just go, no, I, w- I want your feedback. I want to make sure these jokes are... Tight. I shouldn't have asked him anyway. <laughs> anyway he, what does he know, man? <laughs> yeah. um, well, great. I want to... Uh, anything else? No, uh, it's just great. I'm excited it's here. I'm, James, congratulations. That's a huge thing you're doing for the scene. And you guys, too. You guys are, are doing a lot for the scene. I, I think that... Um, I think there's a huge opportunity in Barcelona now for a lot of people. Yeah. And this is... Um, I don't want to speak too soon, but there's another thing that might add, that's very similar to the roast battle thing that might come to Barcelona as well. Let's open some doors. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, and then get these people fuck out of here. I want to, I want to be back at the top of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> Let's send the, the talented people away. Yeah, things have changed. Thursday, the nineteenth and the twenty sixth of January uh, at Roast Battle Barcelona on Instagram. Not Roast Battle BCN because that's the Spanish guys that don't do it anymore. Son of a yeah, yeah, motherfuckers. Oh. The everything yeah but they're nothing to do with us so yeah uh, roast battle barcelona on instagram and soon tiktok hopefully as well yeah 10 p.m Ooh. thursday january 19th and 26th correct um and follow tamar on instagram yeah at tamar cat t-a-m-e-r-k-a-t cool and follow yeah. us come yeah. hang out i mean uh, at j regal jnr for junior uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you very much for listening to constructing the clubhouse uh big thanks once again to tamar to james Thank you for having us. Yeah, guys, that was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. And to our beautiful co-host, John Ellis, I've been Dr. You're Matt. Beautiful, John. Oh. <laughs> Building up my self-esteem before it gets torn down. <laughs> it would, yeah, you'll be fine tomorrow, John. Don't worry. Uh, peace, everyone.